0: Our scripture lesson comes to us today from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Um, It is the lectionary reading for today, but it's also part of the longer um, Sermon on the Mount. And if you haven't read that one in a while, I encourage you this afternoon to go check it out. It is uh, truly a Christian classic and, and pivotal in our faith. Listen now for what the Spirit is saying to the church. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain For your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, in case you weren't paying attention, today is the high Christian holy day of Groundhog Day. Now, there was a time in my life that felt like the movie Groundhog Day, For those of you who have not seen the movie Groundhog Day, it is a very important film, a masterpiece of our time. In the film, Bill Murray plays a maladjusted reporter who gets sent to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania to cover the festivities surrounding Groundhog Day, but by some craziness gets stuck in time. He is reliving the same day over and over and over again. Try as he might, he cannot break out of this day. It just keeps repeating. So, like I was saying, I had a moment a couple of years back where I felt like I was stuck in my own version of the movie Groundhog Day. Before I came to First Prez, I served for three years as a chaplain in a prep school. And during my three years there, I had the exact same routine every morning. It went like this. My alarm went off a little after Six. I got up in the dark as my wife slept another 20 minutes. I fumbled for my glasses and put on my flannel lined pants and a hoodie. My dog waited for me outside the bedroom door. He spun around three times as he greeted me, exactly three times, just as he did the day before and just as he would do the next day. We would walk downstairs. I'd pour a cup of coffee because I set the coffee pot to go off at the exact same time every morning just like the day before, just like the next day. I'd have a couple of sips of coffee. I'd then take the dog outside and throw the ball for him. I'd come in, turn on the stove, and heat up my cast iron skillet and read the daily Psalms on my phone as the pan heated up. Then I fried up a couple of eggs for my wife and I. I drank more coffee, took a shower, got dressed, and then went to school. I did not vary from this plan. Every day this is what I did. Day after day after day. And then one day, it just all felt a little bit too surreal, kind of like deja vu, kind of like the movie Groundhog Day. I freaked out for a second and imagined that maybe every day would be like this until I died. (laughs) Decades stretched out before me, filled with coffee and alarms and fried eggs, which wasn't all that bad, I guess, but I was getting a little bit tired of fried eggs at this point. I was talking to some folks recently about the February blues. My grandfather used to say that February is the longest, shortest month of the year. It's that time where a lot of people feel like they are stuck in a mid-year rut, a mid-year malaise. Nothing all that exciting is happening. Christmas is behind us. It's a long time until summer. We are all in the routine. Day in and day out, we get up and we go to work or school or whatever it is we do, and then we go to bed and we do it all over again, day after day after day. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing inherently wrong about routine. Routine is good. Routine gives our life shape and stability and predictability. It gives our life meaning. Routine is not bad in and of itself. Without routine, we'd be in a bad place. Craig Barnes, the president of Princeton Seminary, says that routine is one way we see the glory of God. God loves routine, Barnes says. He points to Chesterton's idea that God squeals with delight every time the sun rises, and like a child says, do it again, do it again. Again, routine can be a delight. That said... Routine can also be a problem when one of two things happen. The first is when we stop seeing the mystery of life and think everything is without purpose. We feel like cogs in a machine. The second problem is when we get stuck thinking in the exact same ways, never challenging ourselves, always functioning on autopilot, never pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone to try something new. We get complacent. We resign ourselves to thinking that things will always be the same and never get better, so why bother trying with anything different? Getting ready for work in the same way every morning is one thing. Delighting in the routines of creation is a good thing. But thinking and acting in the exact same way every day and thinking the world can never change, now that's another animal altogether. We get tempted to believe that wars will always happen, People will always be poor. People will always resort to tribalism and pettiness. So we give up. Same as it ever was, we think. I recently watched Ken Burns' documentary series on the Vietnam War, and uh, it struck me how we are having the same problems now as we did then. Distrust of government, racial conflict, foreign wars without end, Neighbor pitted against neighbor. Same as it ever was. Groundhog Day. It makes me wonder if Jesus was looking at at the same world as me. I mean, look at our passage for today. It is crazy. Everything Jesus says seems counterintuitive. He is saying things that don't seem to make sense. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek blessed are the peacemakers i mean what world is jesus living in that's not what i've seen in my day-to-day existence when we get stuck thinking that the world is as it always has been and always will be that violence and poverty and heartache and heartbreak are routine that can't be shaken then that's the epitome of cynicism we are struck in a groundhog day so to speak But Jesus isn't having any of our cynicism. As scholar James Cook puts it, while the world offers cynicism, the Beatitudes invites us to the opposite point of view, which is hopefulness. We place our hope on Christ, who offered hope to the hopeless. Thus, we are able to approach the world with a spirit of hope, even when the outward signs indicate otherwise. Here's the good news. In the midst of a life that can sometimes feel a lot like the movie Groundhog Day, we have an option to think about things in a completely different way. We have that option because Jesus shows us a new way. He is the new way. As the Beatitudes put it, the poor will gain the kingdom. Those who mourn will be comforted. The meek will inherit the earth. The losers will become winners. Justice will win in the end. Righteousness will prevail. And those who suffer will be rewarded for fighting the good fight. The Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount are Jesus' way of saying there's another world coming. Do not accept the routine. The Sermon on the Mount continues with this vision. Jesus Jesus said, You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. You have heard that it is said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say that you should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In effect, Jesus says, You have heard that life is like this and has to be this way, but I say life can be like this instead. You have heard that the keys to happiness are health and wealth and security, but I say that truly living isn't about these things at all. You've heard that you must claw your way to the top and that survival of the fittest is the only way, but I say there is another way. You have heard that you have to stick to the routine, but I say a new order is possible. The Sermon on the Mount is crazy. It certainly isn't how we have lived for thousands and thousands of years. It isn't part of the routine. Sometimes I want to say, thanks Jesus, but we live in the real world. That could never work. But what I think Jesus is saying, though, is that unless we want history to, history to be one colossal groundhog day, playing over and over and over again with retaliation and fighting and hatred and heartbreak, we have to think in a way that is radically different. We have to break the mold. One of the wisest men I've ever met is an old ex-convict named Tony. Tony. Tony spent his early life in and out of prison, and he has now spent the last multiple decades helping those who have recently been released begin new lives. He has a bunch of famous mantras or Tonyisms, but one of my favorites that he tells these recently released prisoners is this He says, If you want something you never had, you got to do something you never done. If you want something you never had, you got to do something you never done. Jesus tells us the same thing. Jesus flips on its head who we think God is and how we find it natural to live. In all honesty, I am good at making God in my image, to have God hate who I hate, to have God ordain what I already want to do. We like staying in our routines because it takes effort to break the mold. But Jesus calls us to something else. If you want something you never had, you got to do something you never done. Don't just love your family and friends, Jesus says. Everybody already does that. That isn't that special. Try loving those who are seemingly unlovable. That will change the world. That person everyone doesn't like, love him. Be a friend to him. That kid who always gets on your nerves and taunts you, don't give it back to them. The colleague that you can't stand, love them anyways. Those whose politics you resent, Treat them like a beloved child of God. When you give them more than they ask of you, you'll shock them into doing something else. You'll shake them up, and they will learn that when you turn the other cheek, that something else is happening. The crux of the movie Groundhog Day is that Bill Murray has to live one day to perfection to move on to the next day. Only when he, w- he lives that one day perfectly does he escape the repetitive routine. Along the way, he realizes that living as he used to do with only his selfish desires to guide him, that's not truly how he wanted to live at all. He wants something higher and more noble to love and be loved. It is challenging and scary that Jesus asks the same of us later in the Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect, Jesus says in verse 48, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I immediately want to resist this command. We can't be perfect. We aren't God. But jumping to excuses misses the point. Being perfect is the standard. We will probably never get there, but we have to try. The people who have truly changed history are the ones who bought in 100%. You know them. Martin Luther King Jr., Dorothy Day, Desmond Tutu. These people, they didn't attain perfection, but they tried for it. They tried to stop the vicious cycle of hate by loving in a way that didn't make sense. And they had a tremendous impact. We can live every day thinking as we always have done, again and again and again. We can go on hating our enemies. We can continue making God in our own image. We can continue to live as we have always done before. But if we want something we've never had, we've got to do something we've never done. Maybe, just maybe, if we actually try to live as Jesus instructs, we'll break the mold. Maybe we'll see a whole new reality. When the alarm goes off tomorrow morning, let's try for perfection. It doesn't have to always be Groundhog Day. Amen.